0: You are listening to the Nirvana Podcast, episode 17 MTV Unplugged in New York, Side A. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Nirvana Podcast. My name is Sietse.
1: And I'm Jeridja.
0: And what we do on this podcast is we journey through the history and the music of the rock band Nirvana. Yeah, that has led us to November 18 of 1993 uh, because that night Nirvana played an uh, unplugged show and it was later released as a album and as a DVD. Today, we're gonna talk about uh, that uh, that session and the first part of the album.
1: And I wanna start off by making a confession I don't Ooh. own the M album. You don't? I don't. And I never actually realized that. <laughs> <laughs> but I know exactly why I don't. Because it was on MTV nonstop. Basically, And Mm -hmm. um, for people who have listened to previous episodes of of this podcast, uh, they know that uh, I was an avid uh, MTV uh, watcher and listener. This show was on there when it first was released. Then it was already a success, so they repeated it often. And then after Kurt died, they basically played it like, (laughs) well, I won't say 24 (laughs) hours a day, but they played it like all the time. So I've basically... Heard and watched this Unplugged session for months, multiple times a day, while watching MTV. So then later on when it got released, I didn't buy it. I guess later on I just I, I kept that memory or something like that. And then I realized when we were preparing for this, like, I don't have the album. So quite weird
0: and and now we're in the the streaming age so now you don't really need to own the album to listen to it of course
1: no no exactly but i sort of do feel like i should obviously own it um so i will uh, i will definitely uh, buy a copy here but maybe just Uh, buy the dvd and watch it
0: yeah that might be nice um and if you go to a cd store i'm pretty sure you can easily find it for just a couple of bucks in a secondhand box yeah, because yeah, they sold a lot of copies of it and a lot of people are uh, doing away their uh, cds because well yep. who needs them anymore so <laughs> well we do <laughs> yeah sometimes sometimes yeah well not really but uh but still <laughs> it's nice nice to have one that that's how i got my copy um, that i'm holding uh, right now for just three euros wow i picked it up I already uh, owned it on uh, on vinyl but I thought yeah right. it's always good to have the CD as well.
1: Nice.
0: I already said that they uh, recorded this uh, the show uh, in uh, November 1993. Maybe it's good for um our listeners who didn't listen to our previous 16 episodes <laughs> or don't know that much uh, much about Nirvana um to just you know paint a bit of a picture um of where the band was at at that moment.
1: Yeah, well, basically, um, they had just released their third official album in utero. After the success of uh, Nevermind Smells Like Teen Spirit, um, they'd been uh, one of the biggest bands of uh, that period, which hadn't been easy for them. When they released In Utero, it was sort of a way to uh, maybe become slightly less mainstream, But they still played like bigger stadiums, um, had a lot of fans and um, there was a lot of tension within the band and obviously also with Kurt Cobain himself. And they still wanted to challenge themselves, I guess. So sometimes shows went well, sometimes shows didn't go so well. They played with other bands and tried out some new stuff. And basically when MTV approached them to do Unplugged, um, even though they had like a strenuous relationship with MTV because <laughs> that was really like the popular thing uh, that they didn't want to be really part of, it was something that they considered because it could also be a way to show another side of themselves. So, yeah. yeah. And that
0: was a side that they were already exploring during their. Uh tour of the moment
1: exactly because
0: uh, in that tour they they brought along a a cello player they had like a a small acoustic set in between so they were already developing in that direction and experimenting a bit definitely so i i I suppose it was the the right offer um on the right time for them to say yes to
1: (laughs) it took a bit of time for especially Kurt to say yes, uh, because obviously, yeah, he wanted to do it differently. And when they were asked, Unplugged was already an established series. So there had been other bands who'd done it. Uh, It was sort of a formula. And he definitely didn't want to fit in that formula. (laughs) No. Um, So he was looking for ways to do that differently. Um, And he was also worried about... If he and the rest of the band would be able to do it like that, intimately, acoustic, um, he was pretty nervous about that. Their are stories about that he first asked uh, Mark Lanegan from Screaming Trees if he would accompany them um, on unplugged, but he said no.
0: Do you know why? I I know that you've been reading the Mark Lanegan book that was released. Uh-
1: yep. Yeah, it's a great read for anyone who's interested in that period uh, go and read it. It's not a happy story, but it's it's really a good read. Uh, no, basically Mark was, um, well, Mark wasn't in <laughs> good shape uh, during that period and um, said no to a lot of things. And also in this case had the feeling that it would bring him nothing, basically. And um, eventually uh, Kurt, um, who was touring with the Meat Puppets, decided to ask them and that was sort of is a story that that was sort of the thing when they said yes he was like okay then then we'll do it Mm -hmm. basically and obviously then he had a lot of other ideas like doing lots more covers uh doing a different staging stuff like that that drove MTV mad but I don't think they're worried about that afterwards
0: (laughs) no no I don't think so either I I think the Idea really appealed to him, and he was determined to do it on his own terms. So, using his own equipment, even though it wasn't technically all unplugged. And,
1: um, <laughs> yeah, they they sort of things like that. He has his 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 Fender um, uh, amp on stage, yeah. and they sort of disguised it as a monitor, so you don't actually <laughs> see that he's not unplugged.
0: <laughs> so, I I I, th- I think that's. About everything people need to know before uh, we go to the first track.
1: Yes, let's go.
0: About a girl.
2: This is our first record. Most people don't own it.
0: So that's how they uh, started uh, the show. I think it's a very um, obvious choice to start with that one. Yeah, definitely. And a good choice. It's a good choice because it's uh, one of their more melodic and more, um, well, let's say uh, acoustic songs uh, uh, anyway. Um, Also, they had been playing it for a long, long time. So they really knew uh, how to do it. I think that was important because they were really struggling uh, to prepare for the show. Yep. You already said that well, Kurt wasn't that sure if they could pull it off. And um, it showed because there's been um, several accounts that people said, well, when they were rehearsing for this show, it was, it was pretty bad. <laughs> and a lot of people thought, oh, this is going to be a, a disaster. <laughs> yeah. So I can imagine that that was uh, part of the reason why they decided to um, start off with this one.
1: Definitely. Um, I think it's interesting. We'll probably get to that with later songs as well. But what you're saying about the struggling, um, they apparently never did a full run-through of the show. But on the other hand, especially when you watch it, you can see that for some reason they still feel sort of in control of at least the things that they're doing. And I think this opening shows that as well. Um you can see when you watch the images that Kurt is extremely nervous. Like he looks terrified, basically, when he starts this song. But everybody just eases into it. And they all play it so well and, and actually quite relaxed. That you don't really feel the tension of the rehearsals. So I think that's that's pretty good. And like you said, um, opening with a well-known song like this, well-known to them... Would have definitely
0: helped, I think. He even said so himself. It's of our first record, most people don't own it. Maybe it was also a bit like, you know, we're gonna set the tone, we're not gonna play uh, a greatest hits show. Yep, which a lot of artists did when they uh, were invited to do an unplugged session. They came and they played their best known material, and True. Nirvana didn't want to do that.
1: No, they so definitely maybe that's did. Also, uh,
0: <laughs> the reason. <laughs> that they uh, went for a, about a girl and it uh, yeah it, it it sounds really good i think
1: i uh, i think it sounds great as well um i just want to mention that i think that in the album mix they really did some great things with especially the bass um and you can hear it especially in this song uh they've really put that forward and i think it it really improves the quality of the song so if she Listen to the the, the, the video version <laughs> compared to the to the CD version because the CD version was uh, slightly mixed obviously yeah you can you can hear them bringing that bass to the forefront and uh, I think that's that's been done really well by Scott Litt, who was uh, who was there to do that
0: yeah just to be clear um this was just going to be a show for them and it would be broadcasted on TV uh, it wasn't really the plan to make an album out of it later they did, uh, decided to release it and they asked uh, Scott Litt to look at the uh, at the uh, production and take care of it yeah um by that time kurt had already uh, already passed away so uh, for 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 a lot of people i think this is a bit like um almost like a farewell show something like that
1: yeah it sort of feels like that and i think that's sort of the myth that has has been going on uh, that people forget that there's sort of how many months at least six months between the recording of this and the moment that Kurt died so it's not like the last show before he died or whatever but for some weird reason and like I said MTV like played it a lot and for a lot of people I think this was a sort of a real introduction to Nirvana after Kurt died this sort of feels like that whole like final show farewell thingy um But actually, it wasn't.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but it it, it has been portrayed as that a lot. Uh, A very, very famous uh, anecdote that illustrates that perhaps is that when um, Kurt talked about the staging, he asked for a lot of flowers and orchids and and, and stuff like that. And then apparently somebody from the production team said, oh, you you mean like like a funeral? Um, And then Kurt said, uh, yeah, exactly, like a funeral, something like that. As if he were, you know, staging his own last show, something like that, which I personally really, really don't think was the case.
1: (laughs) No, definitely not. I think it was just aesthetics. Um, As we know, he always thought about how things would look. And this was also something that he wanted to do differently from the other unplugged bands. He wanted a totally different look. He wanted to be more stagey, more dramatic. Um, And I think with the whole funeral thing it's the same as people saying like oh yeah he he sings about guns on like the first album yeah yeah we will talk about guns and
0: funerals Yeah. (laughs) yeah yeah there's people who pointed out that from all the cover songs pretty much every song mentions death in some way and yeah maybe he was drawn to songs that had a certain mood or a certain yeah. lyrical content, but that doesn't mean that he selected those songs just to, like, send out a message or something. I Personally, I don't, I don't believe that. No, me neither. Yeah. One more thing uh, before we um, move on to the next one. Uh, quite a while ago when we discussed uh, the Bleach album, um, do you remember what you said about, about a girl?
1: Um, not by heart, but I, I think <laughs> I, I have a feeling that I, I probably mentioned that I like this version better.
0: Uh, you actually mentioned that, uh, you like the bleach version better Oh wow! because, and yep. <laughs> this is why I'm, I'm, uh, why I'm bringing this up, uh, because you uh, said you liked, uh, the small part of vocal harmony they did on the studio right. version.
1: Yep. And that's nice.
0: And back then I didn't have like the um, separated tracks from About a Girl, but now I do. So <laughs> I just want
2: to
0: uh, throw them in uh, to cool. illustrate what you uh, what you mean. Um, so yeah. here is how it sounded on uh, the uh, album.
2: I'm
1: Well, technically, that's not a harmony, but an overdub. But I'll, ah, I'll excuse you for it.
0: <laughs> okay, thanks. Yeah, yeah. No, the- <laughs> and um, he- he- here's how the how the vocals sound on the unplugged version.
2: In your the taking- of, of course
0: couldn't sing two lines at the same time but they <laughs> exactly. could they could have asked uh, Dave Grohl to uh, to sing that uh, that line but uh yeah just a small detail that uh, <laughs> nice. I wanted to uh, to point out
1: it's actually interesting you bring this up.
0: Well it was your point in the first place
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you brought it up now because of the set list order that we just talked about. Because what I find interesting is that they start with uh, not really uh, a lot of additional things. so no cello, not a lot of room for additional guitar parts. Uh, in this case, no no extra harmony from Dave. Um, and they up that later on. Um, so maybe this was actually a deliberate choice to not have Dave do that. I can imagine that that is also something that they actually thought about. Contrary to (laughs) all of the stories about it being a mess, there's actually a lot of things in here that were fairly well thought out, but that's just a thought. And yes, I still miss those overdubs, but this is a great version nonetheless.
0: So um, are you ready for uh, the one big hit that they did play?
1: Yeah.
2: I want
0: you to be. Yeah, so I think uh, MTV was really glad that they at least played Come As You Are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the audience as well, because you can really hear yeah. them go, Yay, that's a song we know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But like we said in the uh, introduction, it uh, was the only single they played at the time. Uh, they did play uh, All Apologies um, at the end of the show, uh, but that was when that song hadn't been released as a single yet. Yep. Maybe they just threw it in to just to at least get some credit from the <laughs> MTV guys yep. and say, okay, we're going to do just this one song and then we're going to do just whatever we want.
1: Yeah, could be. What do you think of it?
0: Well, I, I, I kind of like it. It's n- it's not my favorite Nirvana song, but uh, <laughs> no, we've touched either. on that uh, on uh uh, on our uh, podcast about about Nevermind, it it is a nice version. It does give it a nice bring a nice twist to it. And also, what I really like about it is that it's a song that it's not like the most obvious pick to do unplugged. I mean, some of their songs like like uh, Poly or uh, something in the way, yeah, it's it's really uh, obvious to do to do those songs because they were already pretty um, acoustically recorded in the first place. Yep. But this is a song that had quite some loud guitars on it, um, on the original version. So I really, really like it that we have two fundamentally different versions of it. And it it, it works. Uh, I I like it. Maybe I like it even a bit better than the original version. How about you?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, Yeah, like you already said, we talked about it before. It's not my favorite song either. Um, I think it has its moments. I think that Kurt is really... Getting into what he's doing and and being confident about this song as well, um I like how he how he sings it with even more twang than usual. He's really sort of channelling his his inner new young here I think um,
0: <laughs> who did the, a pretty nice uh, unplugged uh, session as well
1: exactly <laughs> the fact that i I find the original already a bit tedious. And in this version, it has that same problem every time. I'm like, yeah, now something needs to happen. And then the first time it does, like just at the moment I become bored, then the break comes in. So that's good. Hmm. And then towards the end, it sort of loses tension for me. And I would have liked it if they'd done a bit more with it, like they did with some other songs. Um, It could have gained some some interesting extra... I don't know, whatever. Maybe more cello, yeah. extra harmonies, uh all the things I like basically.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I agree, but I, I think they probably didn't even have time to really work it out like no. that and come up with extra parts or or really, really turn this song upside down.
1: No, I think they, they put that effort in other songs. Um, and probably thought, like, people will like this. Um, We think it fits. Let's just do it. And then basically they did it unplugged. I do think it works really well for the bass. Again, um, (laughs) I was just talking about the bass before, but especially in this song, I think the the acoustic bass makes it interesting.
0: Well, I I think that Chris' uh, bass sound is really, really different than what he usually does because it's so warm. And usually he's got this really heavy uh, bass sound that he makes, which is great as well for like a big rock performance. But, you know, um, yeah, I think he really, really did well um, um, bringing this sound to the stage uh, this time.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think he was, it feels like he was really into that as well. And when you hear other people talking about how he like rehearsed and wanted to do new things and stuff like that, I think he was... He was really trying to musically expand his horizon by doing this. So
0: Yeah, and we just talked about um, Kurt being uh, insecure about doing this show, but the other guys were as well. Um, I don't remember who said it, but it was one of the crew members who later said that Chris basically spent two nights rehearsing all his parts because he was he just wanted to be sure that he got them right. Yep. Dave was struggling because he was used to really... Banging the drums as loud as he could. <laughs> and now he had to play quiet. And, well, he struggled with that in the studio before, but then he could do it <laughs> a, a, a lot of times until he got the right right take. Yeah. And now um somebody brought these weird sticks to him. Yeah, It's not like brushes, but it is... I don't know what what, what they're called. Yeah, like, they're Again, cool. my lack of uh, uh, <laughs> knowledge about drumming is, is killing <laughs> we, me. But he's got yeah. this weird red white striped sticks yeah I think that's actually you can what hit they're hard but called. it doesn't sound that hard
1: they're called like red 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 bands or whatever I forgot to note it down but and yeah apparently he somebody gave them to him somebody from production or MTV or whatever who was like okay we're worried about him being too loud let's find some <laughs> different <laughs> things for him to work with <laughs> yeah
2: and
1: and he was basically like, Oh, yeah, nice. Never worked with those, and then he did that very well, which just goes to show that he's a great drummer because I think that I think that he was also inventing like a new version of himself in this unplugged session because his drumming is impeccable and and at exactly the right level,
0: so they all struggled, but when they needed to, they delivered, yep, in a great way. Let's listen to one of the uh, one of those rehearsals, or I think maybe this was more like a sound check than a rehearsal. But it's been released, labeled as rehearsal. All of
1: the re- rehearsal tapes that have video with them as well uh, were the, the 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 final rehearsal that same afternoon.
0: So um, when we're talking about how they struggled during the re- uh, rehearsal, that's not the rehearsal that uh, rehearsals that have uh, been recorded or at least not that we know of so if we're going to listen to a version from the rehearsal it's it's much later when they had already more or less had their stuff uh, together (laughs) sort of (laughs) um yeah but they were still figuring things out as well Uh, but we'll we'll get to that later because they were also still uh, figuring things out during the show
2: yes indeed can we get on with this We're like an hour late hearing some kind of buzz from this is scott ready now probably is scott able to talk back to us can you hear me yes okay i'm here okay we're ready okay we're on
0: Yeah, they were already an hour late, so yep. they had to get on with it, <laughs> which shows that Kurt was a bit, um, yeah, um, tense about it. Also, yep. he was um, struggling with uh, withdrawal syndromes, I think. Yep. Didn't he use methadone at this time? So, yeah, it was pretty uh, rough for him, I, I, I suppose, but I really love those, you know, Talking back and forth before the show, just to get like an insight of how they communicated with each other and how things were going down.
1: Yeah, when you hear the rehearsals and then also when you see the final show without the bits cut out for the CD, sometimes even even when it goes bad, they still have this dynamic between them um, and and some jokey moments, which is interesting. Mm. And also it's really clear that Kurt is leading. He is basically calling the shots um, and that doesn't mean that the other band members don't have anything to say, but it's it's definitely him leading everything, which is yeah. really interesting to
0: see. A lot of people have pointed out that Kurt was so um, nervous and even cranky and stuff like that. I think that's not entirely true because um, a lot of the lighter moments and like the jokes going back and forth were cut out for the CD yep. version. I mean, um, he did talk with the other band members and with the audience even. Yeah. Um, so I thought it would be nice to also listen to some of the things that happened during the show but were not on the um, CD as it was released. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things is when they... Um, Introduced uh, Laurie Goldstein um, who, played, uh, who played cello and also Pat Smear who only recent, uh, recently joined them as a touring member mm-hmm. so um, yeah let's uh, listen to that This
2: is our friend Laurie Goldstein on cello And this is our new guitar player Pat He's a he's a certified honorary punk rocker. Thank you. But he likes Queen better.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not that depressing or angry or agitated as no legend has it, right?
1: No, definitely not. And also, I mean, just before this, you heard him like, "Oh, can we get it on? this we're all ready an hour late for the rehearsal." That's also something that lots of people say, like I've been in so many rehearsal situations, and it's just annoying having to wait and then there's like this camera crew has to set up and I mean, it's stressful um so I don't think it's it's out of the ordinary um to say stuff like that and introducing people like this um in such a a friendly way. That means that you, um, you're you happy with them and you're also happy with the situation at that moment.
0: You just talked about um, Chris uh, bass playing this far, but he's not going to play bass on the next song because no. he's going to play accordion, which I think was a big fr- surprise for a lot of people. First of all, that Nirvana was going to do a song with an accordion. <laughs> and second of all, that that long, goofy bass player <laughs> could actually play that instrument. A really small um, accordion. It looks really funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I've read somewhere that it was Kurt's accordion. Yeah,
1: I read somewhere that at least it was Kurt's idea to do it, but I'm not sure if it was her, his accordion. Um I mean, I would say, and this is probably really culturally ignorant, but with Chris being from Yugoslavia, um it would make sense for him to own or play accordion just because in in europe there is a big tradition of accordion playing but i can't be sure just a hunch
0: um so he picked up that instrument and then uh, dave um, uh, took over the bass yeah perhaps that was surprising for some people as well because well he was for nirvana he was pretty much (laughs) just a drummer yep if you hadn't paid attention then you probably wouldn't know that he could even play other instruments
1: no I I always Uh, found it interesting that when you look at the footage that they don't show him playing guitar that much which is weird because I think you'd be interested in it to see him do that but (laughs) it could be that he was really insecure about it and said well don't point that camera at me I don't know
0: Yeah, or maybe the camera guys or the director uh, wasn't that um, impressed uh, (laughs) (laughs) with Dave uh, as a bass player. Uh, I don't know, but I I, I think um, it really, really uh, marks like a turning point in the set. Like we said, they started off with two of their own songs with just the regular live lineup. Now they uh, switch up the instruments. They introduce um, a guest musician um, and they do a cover song, uh, which is uh, Jesus Doesn't Want Me for a Sunbeam. Yeah. Yeah, Kurt just had to play a Vaseline's cover <laughs> yeah. on this occasion, I think. He introduces this, uh, this as a, um, a song by the Vaseline's, uh, but he also thinks that it's a rendition of an old Christian song. Do you know if that's actually true?
1: Um, yeah, it is, but uh, Vaseline's version is um, inspired by a traditional song. So you could say that this is a Vaseline song, but... The original, um, is obviously, uh, Jesus wants me for a sunbeam <laughs> because yeah, no I, Christian would sing, Jesus doesn't want me for a sunbeam. <laughs> obviously. No. Yeah. It's confusing because here, um, Kurt sings, Jesus don't want me for a sunbeam. And the track hmm. listing says, Jesus doesn't want me for a sunbeam. So I guess we'll never know what Jesus really wants. But yeah. <laughs>
2: Don't expect me to cry for other reasons
0: Listening to the original um, Vaseline's version, I was thinking it would have been so great to have at least one occasion where um, they had a, a female vocalist come on stage and sing that part.
1: For for Nirvana, yeah.
0: Yeah. That I could mean, have been we, nice. Yeah, we listened to the uh, duet with Kurt and uh, Courtney last time. Yep. That was a bit, um, yeah, too sh- screaming for me. <laughs> yep. but, yeah, too shouty. <laughs> but but just to listen, um, just hearing that that female voice on this song, it would have been great.
1: I think it's interesting that you say that because I'd never actually thought about that. But Kurt was, and the rest of the band as well, they were really into, like, empowering female musicians. Um, he even wears a T-shirt uh, during this session, uh from uh, one of the the first, like, riot girl bands, you could say. And they were friends with a lot of female performers, um, yep. breeders. That would be good. Nirvana and the breeders together, that would have been awesome, actually. Yeah, but they never really did anything with, with female performers. That's interesting. Could have been really yeah. nice.
0: Well, I, I, except for um, the cellist, they yep. brought along. Yeah, of course. Yep. Uh, they had several of them, and they were all uh, all female. So um,
1: there's there's yeah. more more female cellists, I think, than male.
0: Yeah, I <laughs> I, I, I guess so too. Yeah. Um, well, the inter- uh, interesting thing is that when um, Nirvana was inducted um, to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. uh, obviously Kurt wasn't around anymore. Um, they performed, and they had strictly female vocalists. Yeah, exactly. That's so, true.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I so. guess they, uh, they made that right after all.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I think cool. so too. Yeah. Speaking of um, uh, female uh, cellist, um, we have an uh, other very interesting recording of this song with another uh, cello player, Meloga Krieger, uh, who joined them for the um, a couple of months after this show uh, when they were touring Europe. And they uh, rehearsed uh, uh, together, uh, and they played this song as well. And um, well, the stories go that um, Kurt told her that she could improvise and and play whatever she wanted to, but Chris not so much. That <laughs> Chris insisted that she would only play um, just the, the the notes that were on the recording as well. And yeah, so that was pretty interesting, I think. Um, but she does put a bit of her own spin on the on the. Um, Cello parts, I think. Mm-hmm. So um, let's listen to how that sounded. You feel about it if you compare the two?
1: I really like what she does at the end, but what she does during the singing, not so much. Um, mm. It's uh, she tries to basically change the tone, which doesn't work for me, but I like the fact that it's a bit more at the foreground at the end, because I think that, that really fits the song. Um, and that's also one of the things that during the whole unplugged, I get why, uh, like the cello was extra. So it, it shouldn't be too much at the forefront, but I think they sometimes could have made a bit more use of it basically because in some of the songs you see her play, but it's basically she plays like sort of the same thing the bass is playing or whatever. Mm. Um, which I think is a shame, but I'm biased yeah. because I play the cello as well. So.
0: Yeah. Have to so um, <laughs> that. also that's why I uh, ask you. <laughs> yeah. Um by the way um the other songs they did on this rehearsal session have never surfaced and have never been released as of yet. I don't I'm not 100% sure that they exist. I suppose it doesn't really make sense to record and keep only the one song. So perhaps one day we'll uh, we'll find those other uh, recordings from that uh, session as well, which would be great. Yeah. Definitely. Right, um so wanna have a listen to the electric version of uh, Jesus Doesn't Want Me for a Sunbeam as well or Yeah let's do play? it <laughs> now it's okay. a great song. Yeah so let's listen to the uh, electric live version of this song and then we're gonna do go uh, straight into uh, the next unplugged song.
2: Don't Screw this song up. So. What song is it? But you know which part? Yeah. Well, I at least know which part I'll screw up. Yeah, like he only screws one up. stand Spoken walls
0: Here you can um, clearly hear that it wasn't as unplugged as it was <laughs> supposed to be. No. Because um, Kurt sneaked in his uh, effect uh, pedal. Yep. But um, yeah, it, it, it works great. It's uh, I think it's one of the highlights of the, of the show.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and it still has that uh, acoustic feel to it. So that's fine.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't mind it either. I mean, yeah, like we said, he wanted to do it on his own terms. And I think a lot of people kind of, you know, Took the liberties with the format, and I mean, yeah. in the end, it, it's all about having a great show and not about really uh, obeying to the rules, I suppose. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah, but this yeah. is uh, this is definitely great. I think this was, um, I guess, the breakout song of of the whole thing. Um, especially back then, people were just amazed by it, and you have to realize that it's um it's a david bowie song but it wasn't a well known david bowie song so bowie yeah. fans knew it but the general audience wouldn't have and it's sort of become like a nirvana song i guess uh although yeah. most people do know it's it's bowie's but it fits them so incredibly well that they really they really own this song even though the original is great as well but it's it's like a a perfect fit for the whole band, I think.
0: I, th- I think Kurt heard this song in the in a car with somebody who had it on like a yeah ta- a compilation and tape I know or who. something like that.
1: <laughs> Our friend Chad Channing.
0: Oh really?
1: Yeah, he was the one who introduced uh, Kurt to uh, to the album. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh wow, that's that's cool. For uh, people who don't know who we are talking about, uh, Chad was their former drummer and you can learn a lot more about him if you uh, scroll back in our podcast uh, feed and uh, (laughs) check out one of the uh, earlier episodes. Um, And apparently the song stuck out to Kurt and he remembered it because that must have been at least a couple of years before... They did this show, I suppose.
1: Yeah, but but Kurt was also into David Bowie, so I think that like after Chad introduced him to this album, he probably at least kept listening to Bowie on and off again.
0: Maybe through the song, he discovered that there was more than just uh, "Let's Dance," Bowie.
1: <laughs> yeah, yep, I, uh, I uh, definitely think so. Um, this song is of David Bowie's third album, um, and that was even before he became really famous. I mean, Space Oddity has ha- had happened, but this was still in sort of the. the the low period of uh, of his work and then obviously after the high period of the late 70s, uh, 80s Bowie was uh, <laughs> very different and 90s Bowie was um, uh, different again. Uh, so by the time that Nirvana um, did this song, Bowie himself wasn't that big of a deal anymore. Um, he'd made a couple of not so great records in the early 90s and made some better ones after this. But at this moment, he wasn't like the superstar uh, anymore. Apparently he himself really liked this version and was really touched by it. And also just by the fact that he had basically inspired somebody else to, to do something musically with his work. Um, and they never met Bowie and um, and uh, Kurt, which is a shame, but um, it's good to know that that Bowie enjoyed this version at least.
0: Yeah. Uh, Let's listen to uh, Mr. David Bowie's version.
2: I left and shook his hand and made my way back home I searched for home and land Years and years I roamed, I gazed a gazeless stare. And all the millions here, we must have died alone a long, long time ago.
1: You can hear one distinct difference at the beginning. Um, because Bowie doesn't take um, a pause when he starts singing after the intro. So that's a hmm. definitely a big difference that Kurt made. I think Kurt was more of the uh, the, the regular 4-4 uh, four, four, uh, <laughs> rhythm hmm. than Bowie was.
0: And also I think that the Nirvana version feels more coherent yep. or sounds more coherent. I get the feeling when I listen to the Bowie version that it's a lot of loose parts that aren't really working together
1: yeah it's the, the, the Bowie version is is quite experimental um, a lot of it was done by his his musicians who were great his band at that time um, I know that Chris was really worried about playing the whole bass part because he was like, I'm never going to be able to do it <laughs> as good as, as Bowie's band did.
0: M- maybe those two nights he, uh, he rehearsed, he only <laughs> played <laughs> the man who sold the world <laughs> over and over and over, and over,
1: exactly. over again. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, I, I, I agree that um, I think that the Bowie version is, is more of an experimental version. Uh, 1970 it's it's yeah fits the time um, and and Nirvana made it into a proper song you could say
0: yeah makes sense and um, again they had the, the the cello on it which I think is a great great addition yeah. um, let's listen to um, the version from the uh, rehearsal and mm-hmm. um, because I think you can hear the cello a bit more um, prominent uh, on that version
2: Not me. We never lost control. Your face, Your face of the man who sold the world.
0: Yeah, so I really like that um, that addition to the yeah. to the song.
1: Yeah, definitely. What's also interesting, I think, to mention, um, for the people who haven't watched this in a long time, go in and find the video footage of this song and then check out the, um, uh, the solo in the middle because, um, Kurt actually turns to the rest of the band for the solo which I think is great because we were already talking about he was very nervous, but you see him become less and less nervous um, as time goes by and he starts smiling more and, and by now he's he's feeling quite relaxed. But he's on a, um, a desk chair that can swivel yeah. <laughs> um, and apparently he just took it out of somebody's office because he had the same kind of stool that uh, Chris is on, but he didn't like that. So he just took this one. But the nice thing is that it can turn around, which he does in between songs a bit. Uh, But for this, he just he turns on his chair and he does the solo and he makes contact with the rest of the band and also the cellist. You can see her really closely looking at what uh, Kurt is doing because she improvised a bit of it as well. And I think it's really beautiful to see how they sort of work together at that moment and actually have have a bit of contact
0: yeah i, I f- feel like we should play the solo now yeah i haven't <laughs> prepared that so i'm just <laughs> gonna take a take a guess i think it's gonna be right here He he didn't screw that up. Uh, no, nope. <laughs> like, yeah, like he said he would. By the way, uh, maybe it's also good to point out that they uh, uh, only played every song just once. It was just one take, and 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 that's that's it. Yep. Which was kind of a new thing for the unplugged uh, production team because usually artists would go in, play the song, and if they didn't like it or if they made too many too many mistakes, they would just simply um, do the song again. <laughs> but Nirvana just wouldn't do it. They said, "Well, if it's, what happens happens, and and that's going to be our yeah. session. So that's it."
1: <laughs> I, I like that a pretty
0: cool approach. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's. I think it's also. It's it's nice to have them do that, even though they were so nervous about it. Um, because hmm. often, if you're nervous about not screwing something up, then you would want to have that feeling of okay. But if if it goes wrong, we can do it again. But apparently they they like the spontaneity more than doing it perfectly.
0: Yeah. And I, I think it was a great choice, especially for them. I think if they had to do songs over and over again, they would get frustrated and the takes probably wouldn't get that much better. No. Nope. So I think, uh, yeah, it was a, the right, uh, right decision.
1: Talking about right decisions.
0: Talking <laughs> <laughs> about right. That's <was laughs> a nice bridge well. to the next song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Unless you want to say something about this. <laughs> no, I, I, I just want to say the exact same thing. So, uh, let's cool. talk about some uh, decision-making. Huh?
2: Yeah, that was the I didn't screw it up, did I? You. No. Okay, but here's another one I could screw up. What is it? Am I going to do this by myself? What is it? Any Royalty. Do it by... Are you going to not sing? Do it by yourself. Okay. Well, I think I'll try it in a different key. I'll try it in the normal key, and <coughs> if, it, if it sounds bad, these people are just gonna have to wait. We'll do it <laughs> <all right>. over. <Okay. laughs> do you ever smoke that? <laughs>
0: Like the decision that they put most of this uh, part um, on the CD version, they didn't yeah. cut it out so That was that was great. They did cut out that Dave asked for a smoke, but um, yeah, that's <laughs> that's a yeah. different story. It was absolutely the right decision to have um, <laughs> Kurt play this one on his own.
1: Yeah, apparently they never did a full version of this song in rehearsal. Um, not because they didn't want to, but. They never like finished it because everything went wrong. I suppose you have the rehearsal version as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> to me, it's pretty clear what's going wrong. Um, Smear isn't much of a singer. <laughs> no. <laughs> and for some reason, they had him sing on it. Yep. Let's listen to it first. They tried out a few different things. Yeah.
1: Um, Dave on
0: guitar was one of them, I think.
1: Yeah, that's really weird. You can see it in, in the rehearsal tape that like the weird thing is Pat is singing and playing guitar and he's really struggling. And then halfway through Dave takes over his guitar (laughs) so Pat can concentrate on singing and Dave plays the guitar and you're like no it should be the other way around let Dave sing it, it why not and then Chris comes in and starts adjusting um, the microphone for Pat as if that's gonna help him (laughs) and the weird thing is also that take away the microphone
0: Chris
1: (laughs) (laughs) and they're, they're playing it in the rehearsal they're playing it in a lower key you could hear in, in the official version uh Kurt saying, Well, I'll try it in a different key. I tried in a normal key and indeed he is playing it on his own in the normal key, but in the rehearsal they did it lower. But when then you hear Pat singing, it's obviously far too low for him to sing. So I don't know what's what was going on with this song, but it was a mess. Yeah.
0: It it was an absolute mess, uh until the point that they had to deliver it, yeah. And Kurt decided to do it on his own, and it sounded great. And it was really a, a special moment to have him on his own with his guitar playing one of his songs. I mean, that's
1: exactly you. You. It's not often that we've heard that officially. And also, he does it perfectly. Like he plays the guitar really well in this song. He sings it really nice. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting to like have that spur of the moment thing like okay i'm going to do it by myself yeah sure just go for it and and then it just all clicks together and it works probably because that yeah. whole burden of of the rehearsals was just gone
0: and he decided not to play the the solo no true or, or like the, the the middle part i don't know if he decided on the spot not to do that because um he has played it on his own I mean yep. um, there's a solo acoustic demo version uh, which um, does have that part on it Yeah, true. so uh, yeah. we can kind of figure out how it would have sounded if he had um, decided to, to play that uh, it would have sounded a bit like this Again, I think it was the right choice to skip that because yeah. I really get the feeling that you're missing the the full force of the band behind him in this part.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I also think that um, you could h- hear a bit at the end of, of this version as well, uh, but that that slowed down um, part of it where he goes back to the first and, and plays it a lot slower, that works so much better without the whole solo in there for this acoustic version it just it's sort hmm. of that's the perfect replacement i guess of the whole solo for me
0: yeah yeah i think uh i think i agree it's it still is my favorite song but i really love uh we we got this moment in this version and yeah. uh, again this is so different than the uh version that's on the album so that's that's always a good thing uh for me, because then we got something really special. Yep. And uh, yeah, I think this absolutely qualifies uh, as such.
1: I, I find it interesting that I I don't know why. Uh, maybe there's a reason for it, but that they didn't kick it out because if it went so bad during rehearsal all the time, why didn't they just skip it? No idea.
0: Yeah, that that that's right. Yeah. Um, don't know. Maybe no. because. Yeah, no, I don't know.
1: No. Maybe. <laughs> no, me neither.
0: Well, maybe in his mind, Kurt had already decided that he wanted to do this song. Yeah. And maybe he already knew after the rehearsals that he wanted to do it on his own. He just needed just a bit confirmation from the other guys, <laughs> like cheering him on, like, go, go do it. yeah. And uh yeah, uh, true. That's uh, I mean, that's he nice. He really one. believed in this song. He really thought it could be like a big yep. successful hit record song. I've never true. really understood why, but uh he really believed in the song and I think he wanted to uh to bring it forward, so I I guess that's why, but uh I don't really know. No. Right? Um the, the the debate goes on <laughs> <laughs> even after this uh, this song um, um now it's not uh about how they're gonna play uh, uh a song but uh what song to play
2: yep um well let's do it now then oh we can't play those two back to back can we oops. oops okay yeah but on a plane's tuned down to a d Let's just play him back to back, who cares? It'll be edited different. This is a television show. (laughs) John, we're gonna do um dumb now, dummy. Mm
0: This time uh, the discussion was uh, cut out of uh, of the show for the for the CD release, but uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's nice that they were just <laughs> discussing what song to play next. And then yeah,
1: and and we'll we'll hear the um, <laughs> the resolution of this dilemma in the song that comes next. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but
0: first, let's talk about to this yeah. uh, rendition of "Dance." Exactly.
1: Yeah, it's great. I love it.
0: Yeah, I like it as well.
1: Yeah. it's it's i mean I think we when we talked about dumb before we both i think we both liked it um but it wasn't like top of our list um to me this this is really the diversion the that elevates it from a nice song to a really good song um hmm. by just adding little details in uh and and also the intention with which it's played by the whole band it's yeah to me this is like the perfect rendition of uh of this song
0: yeah yeah i think so too and they had it lying around for quite some time i mean yeah i think it yeah it took them some time to really settle on what to do with this one we uh, i have a pretty old version lined up from uh, 1990 wow um so uh yeah, let's, uh, let's uh, listen to how it um, sounded uh, over three years before they uh, came out and, uh, and played it for the uh, Unplugged show.
2: I'm not locked down, I can pretend The song is gone, and I have a light The day is done
0: Here you can really hear that it sounds like a typical Nirvana song. <laughs> yep. If they would have played it with a full band and uh, distorted electric guitar um, and sing the verses, then probably <laughs> it would have been like a like a, a Nevermind outtake or something yep. like that. Yeah, So true. you really had to discover that a more toned-down approach was better for this song.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think the toned-down version also works better with the okay. lyrics. Um but i also think it's interesting in in this version that um what you hear him do with the humming um mm. that basically sort of invokes what they do with the cello on um the unplugged version not it's not the same melody but the fact that there's something there that needs to be filled out um i find that really interesting
0: yeah yeah, I think so too. This is, was from the session that he did uh, for uh, a KAOS Radio.
1: Oh, right, Yep.
0: When he called, uh, uh, what's his name again, the guy from uh, Beat Happening,
1: yeah.
0: Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson, um, yeah. uh Who, who hosted the, the radio show. We just called him up and said, oh, I want to c- come by and play some songs. And uh, yeah, this was, this was one of them. It's really amazing that he had this song lying around and... Didn't use it for Nevermind album. I don't even think it was considered to be on nope. there. Um, then put it on the In Utero album and also, uh, yeah, make like like you said, like a definitive version uh, on the uh, on the unplugged show. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really fun to see how a song can develop and you know be shaped through time. I think. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. Sometimes songs need that.
0: Yeah. Apparently, yeah. Um, there's other versions uh, uh, out there as well. I think we've listened to and discussed several of them. So yeah. Uh, um yeah. I, I I had this one uh, <laughs> lined up for quite some time. I thought, well, sooner or later we're gonna get to the unplugged show, <laughs> and then, then I'll have this one uh, to uh, nice. to share with our listeners. So on. Uh, cool. Yeah, it, it it just works really well. Anything more about them, or are we going to uh, the big reveal?
1: No, let's go to the big reveal.
0: Okay, here we go. This is what uh, Kurt said after he uh, was uh, finished playing dumb. Okay,
2: the reason we didn't want to play these two songs in a row is because they're exactly the same song. <laughs> so, ready.
0: Yeah, which isn't true, by the way.
1: No, no. Mm,
0: you you could say that they are similar, but they're not the same song.
1: And and if you if you think back to that uh, 1990 jump version that you just played, it's actually it smells like Teen Spirit. So I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah, but but you have this theory, right, that when Kurt wrote his songs, like all these acoustic demos every song sounds like <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> sounds like the intro. Yeah. yeah which isn't true as well by the way no. But that uh, yeah uh, and i thought it was really funny that he said um it's a television show so we can edit it differently yeah which and they never they did they didn't <laughs> <laughs> they never did no, that No, so i guess uh, the guy from MTV also didn't feel the need to uh, separate these two songs but uh, no
1: no definitely
0: <laughs> yeah and uh, um again i think it's funny that he uh he just makes the uh, audience laugh just by, I think, being honest. That he, yep. I think, he felt that he was playing the same, kind of the same song twice, and like before. Well, if it sounds bad, these people just gonna have to wait. And yeah. um, I think if the atmosphere was as tense as some people describe it, then the audience would feel uncomfortable by comments like these. And now they felt the freedom to laugh about it.
1: Yep. Yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, especially after like the first two songs, it was quite clear. And you can, you can hear it also from the audience reactions that like the first tension had gone and it was okay to just, uh, enjoy it and have fun. And, and don't forget, um, there was like, um, part of the audience were uh, fan club members who had been invited and, other part of the audience were like friends, colleagues of the band, um, obviously uh, also like uh, managers and stuff like that. So uh, uh, friends within quotation marks, but still there were a lot of uh, people who were uh, uh, friendly or working with the band or colleagues there as well. So yeah, yeah they they would have been able to, to understand what he meant and, and react to that.
0: Yeah, true. Yeah, I think Kurt even asked some of his friends to um, sit at the front.
1: Yep. Yep, just to see friendly faces.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, which I think is weird because a uh, uh, a lot of performers uh, and um, I have that myself when I'm doing theater stuff. Um, I'd rather see unfamiliar faces <laughs> than people <laughs> yeah. I actually know. But yep. um, yeah, uh, suppose it worked differently uh, for Kurt. Yep. right well that being said um, now we're going to our uh, traditional uh, <laughs> closing song for uh, any side uh, A of a Nirvana album which is of course "Polly."
2: cracker maybe Me too entire, to a time Choosing A nice For a few Losing me Having seen Let me clear Dirty wings Let me take a ride, But yourself Want some help At myself Got some hope heaven's told Promise you haven't true. Let me take
0: a ride, but you sail. Want some help? Help myself. Yeah, I, I still think it's a shame that uh, Pat Smear isn't singing on this song. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great rendition. I mean, it's not that different from the studio version, no. but you know, um especially the, the the cello really adds something. Yep. Um the drumming makes it just a bit more dynamic, I think. Yep. So, yep. I think in the end I like this one better than the Nevermind version.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think I agree um like you say it's not that different, but there's uh there's a bit more in the mix that makes it more dynamic and um, makes it, I guess, more more interesting of a song. I think Polly. I mean, I think it's a great song, but it's it can get slightly boring yeah. in some versions. Um, like if they don't, if they're not focused enough. I don't mean the the um, the album versions, but sometimes like live versions, you can just sort of get away with just playing it and not being too focused and then it sort of loses tension a bit. Um but this version uh really keeps it up and uh yeah it's a nice uh, nice addition.
0: Yeah, yeah I think so too. Um I think it the song works so well on Nevermind is because it's after um a row of really loud um yeah. rocking songs and then it's like a complete change of Pace and tone, and um, yeah, now it 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 more or less um, uh, fits right in. Yeah. But it's good that they you know they kicked it around a bit. So um, yeah, I um, I really like uh, the way it's uh, it's playing out here.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Um, I already um, well jokingly said that uh, they should have put um, uh, Pat on <laughs> on the vocals for, for for this one. It it still puzzles me that they did that during the Euro tour quite a lot that pat was singing and not dave yeah and i really i always get the impression that that was more um, of a personal choice than an artistic choice because kurt connected really well with pat um, yeah they were hanging out a lot together and he had well uh, he wasn't really connected with chris and dave anymore there was a lot of Tension and dispute and non-communication between the, the two camps, basically. Yeah. So m- maybe that's why he wanted Pat to sing more and Dave to sing less. But because I, I really can't think of any other reason.
1: No, I I don't know either. Um, I mean, you're right about sort of him having a connection with Pat. Um, I I mean, I think we mentioned it before, but basically everybody loved Pat, so that's good. <laughs> it wasn't like two camps as in that, that Chris and Dave didn't like Pat because he was like a really fun guy yeah, to it, have it, with them. It was them. more like um, but, Chris and um, Dave
0: in one camp and Kurt in, in another camp.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and Courtney
0: um, with him and Pat between the camps, some, some, <laughs> something like that.
1: Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I think... Perhaps Dave was was fine with it. I mean, he he is kind of a relaxed guy, and he was sometimes struggling with harmonies as well. You can see that in some of the uh, rehearsals for uh, um, Unplugged too. That he like if he doesn't hear himself well, he has uh, he has a hard time uh, uh, keeping the right tone. I mean, it's not that bad, but still.
0: So um, yeah he was um, yeah he could be insecure as well um, yep. let's listen to uh, to the proof uh, of that <laughs> uh, st- statement <laughs> is,
2: um, after the rehearsal. Scott should we do dumb now Scott, how out of tune is my vocal? No more than normal. Meaning what? (laughs) It's fine. Swear to God. Yeah.
0: No more than normal. That's such a shitty answer.
1: (laughs) Oh, thankfully, he became the singer of a nice band later on. So, yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Which uh, was starring Mr. Pat Smear strictly on guitar, I think. I no, is <laughs> yes. Pat singing for the Foo Fighters. Yeah, I don't I know think Taylor he ever since drummer, is, but I don't think uh, no. I don't think uh, he's singing that much. But uh, no, <laughs> yeah. So, so that was um, the first half uh, of the uh, unplugged album. Yeah. Um, any um, any midway thoughts about it?
1: Yeah, it's the only thought I have, I think, is is that it sort of feels a bit weird for this album to have this um A and B side just because it's um it's something that has been dictated by the length of vinyl and not um <laughs> the choice of the artists um because this was basically one big special.
0: Yeah, you're right, and also <laughs> because it was convenient for us for the podcast to uh, exactly have like a an a logical point to um, cut it off and then pick it up again uh, next time because people who watch the the TV um, uh, registration or play the CD or play it on Spotify they don't have anything to do with side A's or side B. So no, true, it's,
1: but like you said, it's. Like Side A ends with Polly and that's sort of a given. So uh, <laughs> I uh, I like that. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Maybe we could end um, this um, uh, podcast uh, with like a special bonus track. Oh. Because um, I found out that on YouTube people really like making fake unplugged versions of Nirvana songs. Have you ever... <laughs> No, you ever come across one of those?
1: No, I haven't. What what's what's a what do you mean with a fake unplugged version?
0: Well, I think it's best uh, to listen first, and then you can uh, then <laughs> you know you know the concept, and uh, then we can uh, discuss it just just a little bit before our, we say our goodbyes. What are we doing?
2: This is the last song of the evening.
0: So that's a fake unplugged version. They basically took the vocal track from the uh, Nevermind version of Drain You and they played their own um acoustic instrumental track and then put the two together and there you have it.
1: Wow, that's interesting and weird <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah well i I think it was it's kinda kinda nice to to have I mean, it's like. Yeah. A fun um, um, hobby, I suppose, to create those. I mean,
1: yeah, yeah, I like that.
0: um, Yeah. What I don't like that much about it is that uh, it's on uh, YouTube. Um, If you go look for it, it's labeled "A Drain You uh, MTV Unplugged," and by throwing in that just that that short quote from Kurt, Mm -hmm. uh, like this is our last last song, which um, makes it seem that it's actually an song that they played on the unplugged session yeah which obviously isn't true so i think that's a bit misleading but um yeah it's fun that somebody took the effort to um, to create this
1: yeah nice nice and yeah of course it's misleading but i mean isn't like half of youtube misleading <laughs> so yeah i guess yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah, I guess you're right. It it was it's, uh, you can find it on um, the YouTube channel Riot Earth and then Riot with an uh, exclamation exclamation mark instead of an i. So, yeah, you can uh, you can find it there. They have some other interesting stuff as well and some well, less interesting stuff uh, too, but um cool. Yeah, I thought it uh, was fun to have like this special bonus track that <laughs> wasn't even played as well. And uh, I I also think it's interesting because you can hear how different his vocal sound because yep. they were edited quite a bit in the studio yeah so it you can immediately tell that it's not actually an uh, from that session or anything near that it's it's yeah it's it's, it's different it sounds a bit more digital
1: yeah yeah totally that's totally true you can you can hear the difference but yeah that's also because we've been listening to all of the original unplugged songs tonight and um i think if you were to just listen to this one song you might not hear that
0: yeah it, it, it would have been an interesting choice for them to play drain you yeah what uh, for the thing um i came uh, across a, a, a post uh, some weeks ago on a uh, on the uh Nirvana Reddit page and somebody asked wow uh what would be your perfect unplugged set for Nirvana to play if you got to, to pick the songs. So I thought it was pretty um uh nice uh thing to just you know let your mind wander and come up with some yeah interesting choices and picks. So uh yeah maybe drain you would have been would have been cool.
1: Yeah could have been interesting. Yeah. Could have worked.
0: Yeah, but then again, I uh, uh, totally understand why they didn't go for it. Yeah, especially having to do with the middle middle part and um, yeah, yeah, I was, they have to s- solve that. But uh, yeah, so that was uh, side A, including one bonus track,
1: <laughs> one fake bonus oh, track,
0: one still fake fun. bonus. No, it's <laughs> it's a real bonus track, but it's a fake unplugged track.
1: <laughs> true, true.
0: Yeah. Okay. So. Um, Thank you for uh, joining me again. Yes, thank it you for having a, me. It was a pleasure pleasure talking to you, as always. Um, well, of course, uh, next time we're going to talk about uh, the second half of uh, um, the show and, uh, and the yeah. recording. Yeah, I hope everybody who's listening to this will tune in again. Also, if you uh, enjoyed listening to this podcast, uh, please uh, share it with your friends or put it on your uh, social media feed or do whatever you can uh, to, um, to spread the word about the podcast because uh, yeah we would love to have um, as many uh, listeners as possible also um, thank you for listening and we hope to uh, talk to you next time and have a nice day or evening or night or whatever is suitable for the moment that you are listening to this, bye
1: <laughs> bye